Hey friends, welcome to It's All In My Head, where I talk to people about their experiences with mental health in a real, raw, and vulnerable way. I'm here to share stories that connect us to others in the way that mental health shows up for us, the challenges that we face, the stuff that gets us through, and perhaps most importantly, how we remain resilient. I'm your host, Joel Kaskinen. Welcome back, Sisu Squad. This is Joel Kaskinen, your host, and you are listening to It's All in My Head, the show where we dive into mental health and the intersection of all of life's journeys, struggles, triumphs, etc. I'm sitting here with my friend Trent Podscalen. Did I say that correctly? You're yeah, like, you it doesn't matter. Again, Both tomato, things. tomato. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so Trent, you and I know each other from college. You are one of the first um, guests of mine that has come on from Northern Michigan University. I've had a couple now, but you're, like I said, you're in the top three. Um, but so we know each other. Uh, we met, were we RAs together when we met? Is that how we met? We were. Yeah, we were RAs together. And I would imagine that's how we met. Gosh, it was, it was so long. I mean, it's ago, like Joel. been 10 years, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's wild. But yeah, I, I know we were RAs together. I don't, I don't remember if that's exactly how we met, but I feel like we met through Dylan, but it was like, because of being RAs. Yeah. Now that you say that, that sounds pretty accurate. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad we have, you know, the same, the same track here. And we were in connecting buildings. That's true. Yes. Yes. So we shared a lobby. So yeah, it would make sense. Our staffs probably did stuff. Oh, and were you on staff with Sam? I was. And Megan was on staff at that time too? Correct. Oh, wait. Yes. 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 My first semester. Yeah. I only had one semester with Megan. Okay. Yep. And then Sam, of course, I I knew Sam very well from being Mm -hmm. in Hunt together. So that Yes, it had to have been the connections through RAs. Yes, definitely. Oh, well, I love it. So Trent, we know each other from being an RA together. Um, We lived in adjoining buildings. Before we get into mental health stuff, are you still in higher ed? What are you doing? Uh, I'm not in higher ed anymore. So I am... I'm doing a a plethora of things, as I like to tell people. Uh, So I work as a contractor for uh, Capital One right now. So for interview logistics. So I I schedule our our interviews for all of our tech candidates, uh, as well as partnering with recruiters, uh, making sure that, that I'm communicating with them, as well as hiring managers, communicating with the candidates. Uh, And then I also do podcasting myself uh and so that you and i had connected about this this cross cross collab uh so i do a podcast called trent speaks and so it is all about sharing the stories of others i've talked about mental health both for myself as well as uh, guests who have talked about it i've talked about vulnerability Uh, i wouldn't say it necessarily has a mental health focus uh mental health is a big part of it but 
I really created the podcast just to share the stories of others. I believe everyone has their own story to share. So I created that. And then on top of that, I dabble in uh, youth speaking. So I've spoken to college students, high school students. And then actually last year, I had a gig at uh, Purdue Fort Wayne, where I actually talked to student affairs professionals on mental health. So That's that cool. one was a, yeah, that one was a three hour talk that I had done. I had never done more than an hour before, but when a former colleague had reached out to me and said, Hey, like we had talked a little bit and he said, would you be able to do three hours? And I said, yes. And then my wife, Leanne said, have you ever done anything more than an hour? I said, nope. So I created two more hours of content. Um, but yeah, so I, I do that podcasting and speaking on the side, but yes, my, my current job is working for Capital One. All right, how long have you been out of higher ed? I've been out of higher ed since 2020, actually. Um, so I had worked. Oh, okay. Yep. So I've worked about five years total in higher ed. So about half of that, the first half was in college admissions, most of that time spent at Ferris State University. Uh, and then I transitioned to a residence hall director at UW Stevens Point. Um, I'd been there for about two years. I left, uh, an emergency position came open at the top of 2020. And so I got to go through COVID uh, as a hall director, which was very interesting. Um, one of my buddies had left for another job at IU. And so they had called me and they said, hey, would you be interested in coming back? We were living with my in-laws at the time. And so my wife was like, yeah, get the hell out of here. Uh, <laughs> so we, oh, Leanne. Uh, yeah, she, she, but she also knew like I was passionate about then not passionate about serving at Top Golf. So, uh, so that was very nice to go back. Um, and actually just, just this past weekend, I had went back up to visit some old coworkers and friends that still live up in that area. So oh, still maintain cool. those connections. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. So you did admissions and residence life. I did. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 I, it's so funny that you mentioned being a hall director during COVID because I was also a hall director during COVID. And let me tell you, I, that's one of the reasons why I left because it was not fun. <laughs> yeah. The burnout. And I can imagine it like, I was very happy knowing that my, my time there was temporary. Like I knew I was going back for only six months. And so I was still in meetings and stuff, of course, before I left about, Oh, what are we going to do this fall? And I, I felt for my, my friends, my coworkers who were still going to be returning mm -hmm. because I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. And then talking to them that, that fall as well, I, I, I knew that I got out at the right time. So yeah, I, I can imagine the the burnout on someone who didn't necessarily have that end point right away. Yeah. I mean, I had an end point. I told myself I was going to be, you know, 10 years. Okay. Um, and so I said, you know, like, cause so I had never lived this. That's a lie. I was going to say I'd never lived off campus, but I did live off campus <laughs> one year. Um, so freshman to junior year, I lived in a college dorm or like a residential building. Uh, senior year, I moved off campus and then grad school, I lived in a dorm. And then for the next four years as a professional, um, working in housing, working in residence life, I lived on campus. So collectively I was at nine years. And so I told myself when I reach year 10, 
that's my cutoff, like 10 years of living in a college environment, like that's done. Like I've got to move off. I've got to go do the thing. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, if you've listened to the show, you know, like why I left is because I was just having a really hard go with mental health stuff and with losing students. And so, um, a combination of feeling the burnout from COVID and having just this weird sense of equity where the university was like asking me and my staff and more importantly, the RAs to do a ton of extra lifting that was unnecessary. Like these are things that we should never be asking student employees to do. I just felt really gross about that. And then also just not feeling well mentally post losing students and just with my own stuff. And so, yeah, I just said, it's time to get out of higher ed, but um, I love that you brought up the fact that you uh, worked through COVID because anyone who was doing that or is doing that, I, you all are damn champions. (laughs) I, I agree with that. Yeah. And especially the, the emotional piece that comes with it too. One of my friends who I went up to uh, Steven's point with this past weekend, he's very good at drawing the line of like, your problem is not my problem. Like, I'm not going to take home that emotional baggage, but there it's, it's hard sometimes to not feel those emotions of like, oh, now I also feel responsible for this, or I feel invested in this. And so it is hard to draw that line sometimes. And that was hard for sure. me to, to draw that disconnect sometimes of like, you know, I've, I've done all I can do, but also I have this on my mind of, is that student going to be okay? Is like, are they, I had a good conversation with them and I I think they're at a good point, but what if something happens? And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I already have anxiety. I don't need to add more to my anxiety. And so I, I agree. I think that that was a a good decision for me to also get out of higher ed at the right time. And I think it's almost, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So Mm -hmm. I have found that I really like the corporate world and the fact that once four o'clock hits or five o'clock hits, I'm done. (laughs) I'm not thinking about anything else for the rest of the weekend. I'm not thinking about anything else until the next morning. Like it's nice to be able to draw those lines and not take, take that emotional piece home. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I moved into the nonprofit world and I'm doing I'm still doing heavy stuff because I work in suicide prevention now, but um, the nonprofit world, you know, like you said, like it gets to be four o'clock, five o'clock, whatever I'm on salary. So it's not like I even have to, you know, necessarily work to five every day. And um, it's also fun because I'm flexible. So we have like a hybrid kind of format where we all have an office space that we can use and it's encouraged for us to be there, you know, most of the time, but all of us do at least one day remote every week. And so like, I love that flexibility. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting though, because it was something I didn't know. Like, I don't know how to shut my life off in the evenings and on the weekends. And granted, I do social media for the nonprofit. So that is always running around, you know, it's, it's, it never stops, you know, social media, there's always something happening, whether it's a crisis or just people commenting or whatever. So I do still have that kind of piece of things. And I have my notifications on just in case something happens, but like, I don't ever feel like I have to respond unless it's a crisis. And and we have, you know, the bounce back messages set up for all of our accounts. So if someone does message us, Hey, we've seen your message, we'll get back to you when we can. This account isn't 
monitored 24 seven. So I love that aspect of like, I can just look at the notification, see it's a flame emoji, like, or a clap emoji. And it's not someone saying, Hey, I'm looking for this resource or I'm in crisis. Can you point me into the, in this direction, you know? Um, and so I can kind of say like, I'm going to respond to that tomorrow, or I'm going to respond to that Monday, or I need to, you know, hop on right now because I need to share some, you know, resources or support structures, or I need to dispatch them to a crisis center or to a clinic or, you know, whatever. But, um, so I love that element of things, but yeah, it's, I think you nailed it on the head. Like you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. So speaking of what we don't know, let's get into it, Trent, because I don't know your mental health journey and I, that's why we're here today. So, um, my, you know, like my first kind of only structured question that I ask in all of my episodes and all of my interviews is what is your relationship with mental health and where are you at in your journey today? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joel, you prepared me for this. And I'm still like, wow, where, where do I even start? So, you know, and I, I just had this, this conversation with my counselor on, on Monday, she had asked me, it was the first time seeing her. And she said, when, when do you remember like first having anxiety? And I was like, well, geez, I, I don't, I don't know. I really have to think back. Um, I know that at, at least back in probably like 2015, it got to a point where it was bad enough for me to do something about it. Um, I think that I have always had anxiety and, and, you know, I was even telling this to the counselor and I, I don't know if she thought I was joking or what, but I was saying on Monday when I was filling out the paperwork to go in, I actually had to call my mom and I, I never remember any health family, family health history stuff. And so I'd called my mom and I said, Hey, I have a couple questions. I need you to help me answer. And so I said, does anyone in our family have like any like mental health stuff, like with anxiety? And she kind of laughed a little bit and she goes, yeah, you, you all do. Um, she goes, even, even me, like, uh, and so I think that that's just been something that, that has always kind of been been around me. Like we've, we've all, our family has always kind of been like in an anxious state and I, I couldn't pinpoint it or anything, but back in 2015, I, I don't even remember what had happened, but I was just anxious all the time. And, and it got to a point where like my wife kept saying, you know, like, I think you should go to counseling. I think this would be helpful for you. And it, it's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing for me to take ownership and say, okay, I, I am going to go do that. And so it, it, after a couple of times, I finally said, you know what, like I, I am going to go find someone. And I was involved at, at a church back in Michigan where we were living at the time. And I had asked for a recommendation from my pastor and he gave me one. So I started seeing this guy that he had recommended and it was helpful. I remember coming up with different coping strategies and different coping mechanisms to kind of distract myself. I've always been a worst case scenario type of thinker. Like that's immediately where my mind goes. And then I get stuck in my head and I'm stuck on the same thought. And so 
I, when I started the podcast back in 2018, uh, I had said to myself, I said, you know what, I am going to share my story. Um, and so I had published an episode very early on called vulnerability, and it was probably the third or fourth episode I had ever done. And that was the first time that I was sharing in a very public setting that, you know, I had had anxiety, I had had depression, and I had had suicidal thoughts in the past. And it was the first time sharing it outside of my, my very close knit group of friends. There mm-hmm. were maybe two friends and then my wife that had known everything. And so that was the first time even my parents and stuff had been hearing that. Um, I think that the more that I have talked about it, the more that it's been helpful, of course, uh, knowing that other people are going through the same thing. And I think that, that that's why the podcast had been called vulnerability is because I had learned. And even through talking with guests on, on my podcast, that the more that I had talked about it, then other people were like, Oh, well, I've experienced that too. Or this has been my, my experience with mental health. And so, you know, I would say that I I am still on the journey. Um, I've actually, I felt like I was doing well for a while and I've kind of fallen back off again over the past couple of months. And so that is why I, about, what was that? A month ago now I took, I had actually emailed my manager on a Wednesday afternoon and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to need to take tomorrow off. And that's not something I would normally ever do. But I think that for me, my, my team has created a very big culture around like, we do care about your health and wellness. And so I felt very comfortable saying, you know, like I have been off this week. Like I just like not feeling like myself, like I really need to take tomorrow off. And so I, I spent the day on that Thursday, like doing my own thing and like taking time for myself. And then I emailed again early Friday morning. And I said, like, unfortunately, I'm going to need another day. My wife was off. And so I spent the day with her um, because I recognized that I needed that time. So during that time, I'd also said to myself, you know what, like I need to go see a counselor. I had been driving um for a little bit and i had actually like broken down in my car which i've never my car didn't break down i broke down um, <laughs> We've all I like been there. To, right i like to draw that delineation but i had never like my anxiety has been so bad over the past couple of months like i've been on the couch and i'll just start crying and like same thing that day when i was in the car about a month ago is i literally for the first hour and a half of my drive just could not stop crying. I could not get a sentence out for my voice to text over my car without my voice breaking or starting to cry again. Um, and so that's why I had sought to find a counselor. And so again, I asked a a former counselor of mine for some recommendations and, um, I just had my first appointment on, on Monday and now we've got ourselves set up on a schedule of every other week. Um, and I came out of that appointment texted my wife right away. And I said, I think that she's going to be very helpful for me. I've already been working on doing some different breathing exercises throughout the day, um, just to like kind of keep myself calm and keep my, my anxiety at bay where 
if it does spike, at least there is maybe a lower threshold where it's spiking now. Um, again, I mean, it's only been, what day is this at recording? Wednesday, so it's only been two days. Um, but but I'm already telling a little bit of a difference. And I, I think just from that hour conversation that we had that she is going to be very helpful in helping me to find different strategies and everything too. That's amazing. Um, I want to revisit a couple of points that you said. The first yeah. being that you said that you're still on this journey. And I love that because as cliche as it sounds, like everyone always says like, it's not a journey or it's a journey. It's not a destination, but like when it comes to mental health, I truthfully believe that that is so accurate. Um, it isn't a destination. We're not over here trying to get past or move forward from our depression or our anxiety or our bipolar or schizophrenia or eating disorder or what have you. It's like, this is a daily thing that we live through. It is a journey. It is something that we will live with forever. And most of the time, mental health stuff isn't something that you grow out of. It's typically stuff that you grow into. And so I love that you pointed that out because I hate that cliche saying like, oh, you know, like, it's a journey or it's a destination. It's a journey. It's not a destination, but like when it comes to mental health, I firmly believe that. Um, and so I just, I adore that. The second being you have the self-awareness to say like, something's got to give, something's not right. And I think for me and for probably you and for so many other people, especially in the world of higher ed, in the world of helping professions, we don't always have that capacity to say, it's time, shut up, listen to your body, stop, take a beat, you know, so many of us struggle with that. And that's why we're in the helping professions. It's why we're people of service. It's why we're people of actions, why we're people of empathy. Um, but for you to say like, something's got to give, like, I'm literally, I can't stop crying here. And, you know, like you said, you hit a point in 2015 where all of a sudden you were like, I had to do something. And I hit my breaking point, you know, just two years ago and I'm still working through it, but there's not a day that goes by now that I'm not thankful that I hit that breaking point because as you referenced, you know, before you had never shared with people your anxiety and your depression and your suicidal ideations and, you know, those thoughts before. And until you start speaking that and you put that into the world, it is, it eats you alive. It's so much weight that you're carrying on top of all of the other weight that you're carrying through job stress and life stress and marriage stress and work stress and whatever, you know, what have you. So when you say like, all of a sudden you've got time and energy to say, shit's gotta go, you know, I've got to do something. Something's got to give. I think that's huge. And to have that self-awareness is so impressive because it's not a skill that is taught. It's a skill that is learned and you can only learn yourself. And, you know, we're still navigating you and I both and all of our people, you know, the sissy squad still navigating your listeners. Do you have a name for your listeners? I don't. <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe your I listeners, yeah, your I listeners are still navigating. And so that's the point that I'm trying to make is just like, I think it's so powerful that 
when you find that self-awareness and you can find that like introspection to look within and to look outward to do something, you know, it's got to be both. It can't just be, you're looking inside at what's going on. It's also got to be, you're looking out outside, you're looking elsewhere to figure out what tools you're going to use and what resources you're going to grab onto to make things right or to make things better. Um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult journey, but I just, those were the couple of points that I immediately pulled out of your answer, your response to that initial question. And yeah, I just, I wanted to shed some light on that and to just make sure that you were validated in those feelings. Cause I think it's so powerful. Yeah, I appreciate that, Joel. And I had actually been listening to your episode from March 5th, just Joel and his heart song. A uh, little, little teaser for you. Uh, I had been listening to that last week and something that, that you had said, I actually wrote down and you had, had revealed something in your, your podcast. And you said, it's, it's forcing myself to make changes because I don't want to be in that place again. And when you had said that, that really resonated with me because I had immediately thought back to a month ago of like, you know, when I was starting to break down and stuff, like I, I knew I needed to get into counseling because if I didn't, nothing's going to change. I'm just going mm-hmm. to be in the same cyclical motion of, of like wallowing in my thoughts on the couch or continuing to think about the same thoughts over and over worst case scenario about various situations. Yeah. Whereas now I'm, I'm forcing myself to go to counseling and I'm already being able to see, see that change, knowing that, that I have someone to talk to as well as knowing like, this is where I'm going to get the, the help or the, the resources that I need to move forward. Totally. Oh, well, thanks for listening. And thanks for, you know, resonating and latching onto something that I said. Um, I think a lot of people do. And that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast is I'm not a thought leader. I'm not someone that like is all knowing. I'm not, I'm not a sage by any means, but I do have a wealth of experiences to share. And as someone who is a storyteller, who is a communicator, who's someone who loves people and who loves learning through stories and tales and, you know, lore, if you will, like, I think it's so important to share this side of us because there is still so much stigma and still so much shame associated with mental health and there shouldn't be, you know? And so for me to like be able to share and say, someone's learning, someone's getting something out of this, like, that's really cool to me. Um, and you know, that's, that's the whole reason why I did this is like, I want to know that there's others out there. And if I can just have a relationship with one person who, says, yes, I feel the same way or, Hey, I get it. Or, you know, like that, that's so cool to me. I just, I love it. Yeah. And even when you had, had pulled out that point about, oh my gosh, I just had it and I'm going to lose it. You had pulled out your first point. Oh my gosh, I'm losing it, Joel. My first point about you? Yeah. What was the first point you had pulled out from me? Why can I not think of it all of a sudden? I oh, literally oh. just... <laughs> oh, about um, the journey. About I, was, it being yeah, a journey. I was just yeah. going to say that it's that you had made a point of like, it's not a journey it's, or it's not a destination. It is a journey and that you're still on it. Yes. Uh, and we were talking about, you know, this is, this is just something that 
that a lot of people live with. Like it's, it's always going yes. to be there. It's not something you, you can just get over. Mm-hmm. And I had had conversations with a, a friend of mine who's been on the podcast a couple of times. And also I've had this conversation with my wife before and they recognize that they recognize my anxiety. It's not like they, they brush it off or anything, but the conversations that we've had are that you will never understand when I'm in those anxious moments, you'll never actually understand how I feel because your anxiety is different than my anxiety. The things I get anxious about are very different than the things you would get anxious about. And I think that's important to recognize too, is that, that there is no right or wrong depression or anxiety. It's not one size fits all either. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that everyone is going to have their own coping mechanisms. Everyone's yeah. going to have their own way of, of how they heal or how they recover, or how they continue to push forward on that journey. And so I just wanted to, to throw that, that out there because it's conversations I've had with a couple of different people recently of, you know, like people can have anxiety, but just know it is not always an A equals A, it might be A equals mm-hmm. C or A equals yeah. Z. I love that point. Um, yeah. So the next thing I wanted to ask you um, is, is this your first time in therapy? Have you been to counseling before? Uh, I've been to counseling a, a few times before. Yeah. Um, but this is probably my third time, I would say. Okay. I'm just curious because a lot of my listeners haven't been to therapy before. Um, and a lot of my guests even, um, haven't been to therapy before and are still, you know, like starting their journey, if you will. But, um, so I'm curious about that. Um, and for, for me, you know, like I've been to therapy, like on one-off occasions up until two years ago when I started going seriously and regularly, but, um, it's funny because, you know, for me in working in higher ed, you deal with some tough stuff, and I always went on one-off occasions, you know, post a suicidal ideation of, of someone that I was responding to post sexual assault, post self-harm, post whatever tough thing was going on. Um, you know, and I never like, com- I always compartmentalized, you know, this is someone else's thing. It's, it's not mine. And, you know, like, I just, I have other people to be worrying about. I have other things to be worrying about. I don't need to, I, I, I didn't realize that I carried all of it with me and all of it compounds. And I hit my breaking point when I lost my first student to suicide. And that to me was really like, damn, like everything just came crashing down and now I'm unwell. And then that compounded, compounded, compounded with each additional like tough situation that I dealt with. And finally it was the second suicide and I was the first responder and my world shifted. Like it was as if like the earth tilted on its axis and I was like, everything had changed. And I said, I can't, I can't do this alone anymore. Like every instance of suffering or of trial in my life up to that point was like bubbling up. And I was like, it hit me like, 
this was my breaking point. Like it was the thing that like toppled the Jenga tower to the ground. And I was like, well, something like something's got to go right now. So we're doing therapy and we're doing it real this time. (laughs) So I'm curious, like you said, you like your therapist, you know, this is some, you've been there, you know, two days now you've been out two days and you said you've already sensed a change. So talk me through that. Like, what are the initial feelings that you've been experiencing in the last two days? Yeah. So I, and I had told her this too, you know, I I've, we've probably had this planned for almost a month. And so I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm looking forward to going but then the morning of, I started to get, started to get anxiety about even going to yeah. therapy. Uh, and I told her that I said, you know, like I've been looking forward to coming here, but I just, I started to get that pit in my stomach and everything. And I said, I don't mm-hmm. know why I just, I did. Uh, but, but I think it was just from the being able to talk, being able to like, just let it, let it all out. And for her to, to do her therapy thing and to like introduce some, some like things of like, here's, here's a game plan basically. So, so essentially we set up goals and then we talked about like a game plan um, of like how to move forward and like what, what sessions might look like moving forward. And so I think that because of one of the things I had told her, I had said, you know, I, think that part of my problem and I said you know my my wife and I have talked about this is that I need a routine I said because I work from home so what I what do I do I literally wake up continue to hit snooze on my alarm I roll out of bed take the dogs out go to work quote unquote go to work I turn on my laptop and sit at my desk after I'm done with that I take the dogs out, I come back inside and then I'm playing video games on the couch or I'm watching something on TV. I am always in this apartment. And so I was talking about, you know, I think that I need some sort of routine to break up my day because it's so mundane. So we talked about, you know, going for walks or starting to try and work out. But one of the things we really started with were were these breathing exercises that I'm doing in the morning when I wake up and I'm doing them at night before I go to bed. And then every couple hours throughout the day, um, there was one point even today where I started to get a little bit anxious. And so I dropped everything I was doing at work uh, and I set my timer for two and a half minutes and I worked on a breathing exercise. Um, I think the, the, the thing that I've been thinking about where my anxiety hasn't been so bad lately or the past couple of days is because I know that in my head, I'm working on these breathing exercises, but I'm also looking forward to the next appointment. Like I know that there's going to be that continual check-in now mm-hmm. and that continual aid for help to be able to push forward. Um, and I, I anticipate that there will still be days where I might feel off and everything in between. But I think that now that I'm in and now that I'll have this every other week, uh, routine as of going, um, that, that just gives me something to look forward to. And so I know, okay, well, I just have to make it till X date or another up to 14 days before I can talk about this again and, and figure out maybe something else or, or what's going to work or what's not going to work. 
Uh, I think the the other thing I'd like to mention too that you had kind of alluded to a little bit is sometimes some of your listeners may not, or some of your guests also may not have gone to therapy yet. Um, and so I had just been talking about this with a friend of mine that it's okay to not like the first therapist that you're at. Mm -hmm. Uh, the amount of times that I've started to go to therapy and then stopped after the first session or after the first few sessions, uh, because it's, it's in the, she didn't say this to me, but other therapists have said this to me. A couple of them have said, you know, it is all about the connection. And so like, if you're not feeling it, or if you don't feel like this is the right fit, then call the office and find someone else. So I said it a lot nicer, more eloquently than that. But, but I mean, I, I think that's important to recognize, like, don't feel stuck to that one person that you found yeah, because it yeah. really is about finding the right fit and driving. And immediately when I started talking to her, I knew right away. And I said to her during our session, I said, okay, well, I wasn't ready to share this, but I guess we're just going to dive right in. Like I had gone in knowing I was going to withhold some information, but then while I was in there, I was like, no, like this is, this is the right fit. And so sometimes you just, you just know. And sometimes there was a, a time in Wisconsin where I was like, yeah, this is, this is not going to work out at all. Um, and so I, I actually called the office of that counselor right as I was driving back home. Uh, and I wasted no time doing so. Um, but like I said, you just, when you know, you know, I completely agree with you. Um, the therapist I'm seeing currently is amazing. And that was a huge apprehension that I'd had coming, moving to Sioux Falls from Colorado. You know, um, I loved my therapist in Colorado and she got me through my deepest, darkest days. You know, like she was who I went to post-trauma, post-suicide, post, you know, all of my world coming crashing down. And she got me through a ton and she was young and she was like relatable. And, you know, I just, I really, really adored her. And so when I moved to Sioux Falls to South Dakota, I was like, I'm not going to find a good therapist that I enjoy, you know, like I'm moving to a conservative state and moving to a city that I don't know very well, you know, like I'm just worried. I'm, I'm apprehensive that this is not going to go well. And being that I work in the mental health world and I work in suicide prevention, I was able to use my connections to find someone that really, really works for me. And like, the connections so there that she just had a baby on my birthday last week. That is how connected we are. Awesome. So, <laughs> um, but like, she's seriously, I love the point that you said, like you went in with the thought process of like, I'm going to withhold some information because I think we all do that. Like there's always going to be things that we want to keep to ourselves, whether it's from our therapist or our spouse or, you know, what have you, but like, when you feel comfortable enough to just like open up and just see where things go, like let the floodgates open, you know, you've made the right connection. And like, I went in for my intake and I was like, listen, this is what I'm dealing with going through some trauma still. Like I'm on my grief journey. Like I've just been in this grief sphere or this, you know, grief space for two years now. I'm still really working through it. This one piece of that is coping mechanisms. Like that's something I want to work on because even though I know positive coping me mechanisms, I'm still turning to sex, drugs, and alcohol. So like 
let's figure something out here. Um, and before we knew it, I was talking about like childhood trauma and religious trauma and family stuff. And like, just like the abuse that I faced at my former employer and like all of it was coming out. And I was like, I did not even realize that these were things that I like was ever going to talk about. I didn't even realize that they were issues that I was holding, but she could tell that I faced and not necessarily even faced, but that I carried so much resentment and so much anger from so many like instances that happened years ago that I was like still holding on to, And all of a sudden it's like bubbling up to the surface, but I wouldn't have gotten there had she not been like, let's work through. Why are you using these mechanisms to cope? Why aren't you turning to people like your family and a church setting and da, 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 da. And I was like, oh my God, this is good. So I think it's, you're totally right. You know, like you do have to kind of date around for a therapist and you have to shop around and find someone that works. But when you, when you know, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. Well, that's super, super exciting that you're in therapy. Um, my next question is, are you on medications at all? And this, you don't have to answer if this is like too personal. So I used to be, um, I used to be on, I believe it was Lexapro. Right, that's what I'm on. Uh, and I felt like, when was that? Probably two years ago now, or about two years ago. Uh, I would say I, I felt like it had been working. And then I must have just stopped taking it one day because then uh, about a year later, I had said something to my physician about oh like i i think that i i should get back on this but then i never did um and so i i'm trying to remember if like maybe i i didn't feel like it was helping anymore or or why there was some there must have been some reason i stopped or i just straight up stopped and that was the end of it um but I guess to answer the question in short, uh, the short answer would be no, not currently. <laughs> okay. Okay. But you have been, I have I before, just, yeah, yeah, I'm just always curious to see, you know, what people think about medication and be okay. Again, there's stigma, not only with therapy, but like with medication and yeah. literally any helping mechanism, ultimately, like there's stigma and shame around. And my mom works in the pharmaceutical world, you know, she's a certified pharmacy technician. And so I was born and raised with this mindset of like, you don't take medications on unless it's da, 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 you know, like she was very regimented about that. You know, it was something that we all knew, you know, growing up and as someone who suffers from chronic migraine, I've been on medications for a long, long time and never think anything of it. You know, like I am a pill popper for sure. Like if I, you know, like I have a headache, I'm going to take an ibuprofen. I'm going to take my migraine meds. I'm going to, you know, whatever. Like I don't think about it. And I take way more than probably most people. Like when I go for the bottle of ibuprofen, I'm doing four, five, six, you know, like it's not like a two pill thing. Like it, like people probably think I'm crazy, but like, (laughs) I don't even think about it because I've lived with this for so long, but when other people probably watch me, they're like, uh, you're taking 1600 milligrams of whatever, like that's a yikes. (laughs) So I'm always curious what other people think about medications, because even as someone who's taken them for so long, knowing my mom's concern, I had this major anxiety about getting on anxiety medications, you know, and for a long time, I wouldn't have, you know, like I 
only got on because my therapist and my physician both were like, dude, you gotta do something different here. <laughs> they were like, you're crying literally 18 hours a day. You have to get on something <laughs> just to function. So I am on Lexapro now. And it's, it's funny that you said, like, you don't know why you stopped taking it because I, I notice when I don't take it in a day, like I get nauseous, I get shaky. Like I get spit, like I can totally tell that like, I'm like spinning out because I'm like, I'm anxious and my body's like, I need this. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I'm just interested. I'm curious, but so you're not on them now. You have been in the past. Okay. That's all I needed to know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's not, I don't have anything against the medication. I think my, my first therapist was, uh, he was very much like, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, and so he was like, I'm not, not going to push pills on you. Cause I don't think that's necessarily the answer. He goes, we, we can talk about them if you're interested in them. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, but he goes, I think that there are some therapists who just push them as if that is the only answer. Uh, and then there are other therapists and he, he was one of those other therapists of like, this is an option, but don't feel like this is the only option. Totally. Um, totally. And then my, my second one was a little bit more opposite where I, I think I don't want to say she was a pusher necessarily, but I think that's why I had started them a little bit more is because she was a little bit more on that side of the spectrum than the opposite. Um, and so I, I think, I think my, my, I don't want to say problem the, the, well, I guess I would say the problem that I have with myself in terms of doing it is that I am not very good at taking pills. Uh, like I, even allergy pills, for example, um, even when I'm getting my ass kicked by allergies, I could still forget to take an allergy pill for the day, which is why I had to start leaving allergy pills in my car. And so that's probably why I had fallen off the Lexapro is because I probably just stopped taking it one day and never got back into a routine of taking it again, which is why you really are big on those routines. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Like it is it, it, like, I have to be in the routine. And if I get out of it, I'm out of it. Like that happened with oh. unrelated happened with flossing. Like I had been doing really good at flossing in between dentist visits one time. And then we also went on vacation somewhere or something because now I'm not in a routine of flossing at all. And I need to get back into it. So it's, I'm a yeah, terrible it's, flosser. I need to, I need to yeah. do that. So yeah, it's a, like you said, it's a routine thing for me. And so like, that's why now that I'm thinking about it, that, that's probably 90% of the reason why I fell off that Lexapro is because sure, I probably sure. just stopped taking it. And then I never started to get myself back in that routine again. Wow. I can't believe your body allowed you to do that. My body is like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, well, Trent, is there anything else like related to mental health, your journey, advice, a questions, perspective, et cetera, that you want to dive into today? Yeah, I would say that it is okay to, I got two things. Um, and before I say them, I'm, I need to write them down because otherwise it's going to happen like earlier where I am like, wait, what was I going to say? And you're going to have no idea. Write them down. Do the thing. 
Okay, I've got them written down. Um, so the first one I was going to say, and I had just done a very short episode on this. Um, Which I loved. And that's the reason I reached out and said, like, we need to clap. Was it my it's OK to start over one? No, it or was your um, what are you doing for men- for your mental health? Oh, yeah. Yep. I just did that one. I, uh, I also loved your it's OK to start over episode. But yeah. OK, because that's where I was going to go. With my first one, I was going to okay. say, I think it's it's OK to start over because like, like we've talked about mental health is a journey and I've seen the ebbs and flows, even in my life with mental health in terms of back in 2015, I was what felt like my lowest of lows. Like when I was having suicidal ideation and and anxiety and depression, and then I was going back up. I felt like I was getting the coping mechanisms that I needed. I was, I was figuring out how to distract myself and how to feel unstuck. And I, looking back on the past seven years and, and even up to today, I can see the ebbs and flows. And so I think it's, it's important to note that that's okay to start over. Like it, every day is a new day. Every moment's a new moment. And so it's never too late to say you know what like like there is hope there is there is an opportunity to change or for things to be better because I even a couple months ago I was back to having just suicidal thoughts again um or just thoughts of like you know like wouldn't it just be easier if if life wasn't here like things everything could just disappear uh and and so like seeing that, but now seeing like even just where I am a couple months later today, like it's, it's, you're going to get through that. And there's always going to be that light and it you might not feel like you're in the light at the moment all the time, but there is always going to be that light. And so, I mean, take, take the good days, take the bad days. You can always start over and there's always going to be a, a, what do they say? Turning over a new leaf. That is the cliche. That's, I think I use that cliche in that podcast. Uh, it's okay to turn over a new leaf. Um, Mm -hmm. and even when it feels like you can't, you definitely can. Um, the other thing I was going to add was that one thing I have found over the past seven years is leaning on my support system. Um, and so, yes, so it is all about finding who your support system is. I have, I would say a close group of friends, but I don't talk to, let's say example based, let's say I have a close group of 10 friends. I'm not necessarily talking to all 10 friends. I might be talking to two or three friends in terms of mental health related things. So I have a buddy of mine who will, whenever I'm, I'm, in a mood, I will text him and I'll say like, Hey, I'm not doing well. Or maybe I won't text him in that moment, but I'll text him a week later. And I'll say, Hey, I just want to let you know, like last week I was really struggling and he will call me every now and again, just to check in, or he'll text me and say, Hey, thinking about you, hope you're doing well today. Um, I think really what I'm, I'm trying to get at is find who those friends are that, that will be there for you, that will support you, that you feel comfortable confiding in. And it's not going to be an overnight thing where you're going to feel that necessarily. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is, maybe it's not, but find that group of friends that you can trust and you can confide in and that are there to support you because that is in my experience going to help you on your journey 
it's helped me seven years ago. It's helped me today. Um, and I found that to be very successful for me, or at least helpful in the least. I love that. I mean, you can't, you can't get better than that. And actually the statistics show that, you know, like those that feel a sense of belonging, those that feel that they matter, those that have a support system, those are the ones that are surviving. It's, you know, sadly, it's the people that don't feel that they have people to confide in and people in a support system or a support network. Like if they don't feel that they have that, those are the ones that sadly are going to, that we're going to lose, you know? Um, and I, yeah, I couldn't have said it any better myself, you know? So everyone find your Sisu squad, whoever that is, find them. Um, so let's wrap things up with our final question. Trent, you kind of know the drill, but I'm going to give some preface just for everyone who's listening. Um, so I'm going to ask the final question. What does Sisu mean to you in this moment as we're recording, as it relates to your mental health? And just again, as a refresher, as a preface, um, Sisu is a Finnish term that translates in English as, or to, as, I don't know how to word that grammar right now, not working out, um, but you know what I mean. Um, it translates to grit, determination, resilience, strength, um, you know, kind of all of that level of word, that genre of word. Um, it, it's, it's a lifestyle, if you will. And it's why I call my listeners, my Sisu squad, you know, they're people that are going to uplift you. They're, they're here as supporters and advocates and allies. So Sisu, resilience, grit, determination, strength. What does it mean as it relates to your mental health journey right now in this moment, as we're speaking, Trent, go. The first thing that came, <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was something my wife says, and that is whatever happens, happens. And she is very good at living in the present moment. And so I would say my Sisu is living my life and trying to, to accept that. Uh, you can't change the past. You can't change the future. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. And so really living your life, living each moment as it comes and just being happy in that moment, finding your happy, being happy and taking life one step at a time. Because if you do that, some of the anxiety may go away. And so that is what my big focus has been on or is, is wanting to be on is trying to live more in the moment and not looking forward or back. That's great. This is my favorite part of every episode is just hearing everyone's answers because no one ever says anything the same. And it's just, it's so individualistic and it's just a great way of realizing who the people that I'm talking to, who the people that I care about 
interpret and understand and make sense of their own journeys. It's just, it's really cool and it's really beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing. And lastly, Trent, because this podcast is all about creating support networks and making connections with people. Where can my listeners, where can our Sisu squad find you if they want to reach out? Um, please connect to your podcast, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, so my podcast is called Trent Speaks, um, and you can find it on anywhere that you're streaming, Spotify, Apple, uh, whatever else is out there probably. Um, and I am also on Facebook and Instagram um, at Trent Speaks as well. Uh, so you can find me and connect with me on there. Um, I also do have an email, so feel free to email me, trentspeaks at gmail.com. I, like Joel, also have guests on my podcast. So uh, if you are ever done guesting for Joel and you want to hop over to the <laughs> Speaks podcast to guest, uh, more than happy to have you to share your story over there too. Heck yes. Honestly, that's the thing that I love is like your podcast is storytelling. My podcast is storytelling. Like we're both storytellers. We're both people that love to connect with others through stories and through communication. And I just, I just love it. I think it's so beautiful. I love podcasts like that. Yeah. This is, this has been so great, Joel. I, I appreciate us chatting. This has been, uh, it's been fun. I agree. I can't wait to do it again. I need like, I feel like we need to have like a round two in like a couple of months or season three or something. It does feel like <laughs> that. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready that down. Cause we know that I'll forget. So <laughs> I love it. Well, Trent, thank you so much for being on and I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life schedule. Um, send Leanne my love and say hello for me and same with Dylan and everyone else in our life that you communicate with way more often than I do. <laughs> well, I just, I just think it's funny. to think I have a life. It's funny that you thought I'd be doing anything better than this tonight. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just assume everyone is doing things. <laughs> I don't know. Anywho, thank you so much. I so appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to connect with me, you can email me at itsallinmyhead.show at gmail.com, add me on Instagram at itsallinmyhead.show, or connect with me on Twitter at allinmyheadshow.